Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie Clementine. Today is Thursday, July 20th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. First up in the weather, Riverside. Brace yourselves as we're expecting quite a scorcher today. The mercury is set to soar to 102.6 degrees with lows of 76 degrees. Keep cool and stay hydrated out there. Now moving on to the top stories we're following today. We're keeping a keen eye on the escalating tensions in Eastern Europe as Russia's aggressive activities in the Black Sea, including attacks on Ukrainian ports and laying sea mines, raise serious concerns over the safety of civilian shipping activity. In local news, check your Powerball tickets, folks. A winning ticket worth a whopping $1.08 billion was sold at a Los Angeles market. Could it be yours? We'll also delve into the world of electric vehicles where Tesla CEO Elon Musk takes center stage, leaning towards continued price reductions to drive volume growth. We'll examine what this means for the company's margins and profitability. Lastly, yet importantly, a revolution is in the offing with the U.S. Federal Reserve now launching its FedNow Instant Payment Service. A potential game-changer for the national payment system, we'll explore what it means for you. Stay tuned to Alex's News for more on these stories. We turn now to a situation unfolding in the Black Sea. The White House has issued a warning, stating that Russia is preparing for potential attacks on civilian shipping vessels. This comes in the wake of Russia's withdrawal from the Black Sea grain deal and its subsequent missile and drone attacks on Ukraine's grain export ports in Odessa. Joining us to shed more light on this situation is Elias, our senior news reporter. Elias, could you break down the key points of this development for our viewers? Absolutely, Connie. The first key element here, I think, is the White House's warning about possible Russian attacks on civilian shipping vessels. This, as you mentioned, follows Russia suspending its commitment to the Black Sea grain deal. This deal facilitated the flow of grain from Ukraine to countries all over the world. Following their withdrawal, Russia commenced missile and drone attacks that led to the destruction of 60,000 tons of grain in Ukraine's export ports. Now, Russia's assertion that any incoming vessels will be viewed as carrying military cargo feels rather strategic, doesn't it? Yes, indeed. It appears to be part of a larger scheme which, according to the White House, includes Russian placement of additional sea mines near Ukrainian ports. The goal, some suggest, might be to justify attacks against civilian ships, potentially shifting the blame onto Ukraine. There are a lot of implications with that approach. Could you highlight potential consequences? If Russia were to escalate its actions by resorting to more aggressive military actions, it could lead to greater international involvement. Disrupting the flow of grain furthermore has significant economic repercussions, particularly for Ukraine, but also globally. It's also worth noting that the Black Sea is a major transit route for many goods, not just grain, so there could be far-reaching impacts on global supply chains. Speaking of the grain deal, can you shed light on why Russia backed out? Russian President Putin accused the West of using the grain deal as political blackmail and stated that Russia would consider rejoining the agreement if all principles were fulfilled. Then, missile and drone attacks on Ukraine's ports followed, with more strikes continuing overnight. It's not clear exactly what Mr. Putin meant by all principles, but these tactics have certainly strained relations between the two countries considerably. I can imagine. And we've seen responses from other players in the international community? 
Yes, German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock has strongly condemned these attacks, pointing out that Putin is not only hitting Ukraine, but also the world's poorest who rely on grain supplies. Ukrainian President Zelensky himself has also spoken out, stating that these attacks disrupt striving for a normal and safe life, really highlighting the human impact at play here. What a complex and deeply concerning situation. As these events unfold, we'll be sure to keep our viewers updated as best we can. Thank you for the comprehensive report, Elias. It was my pleasure, Connie. Moving on to our second story this morning, big news out of Los Angeles. A Powerball ticket worth an astounding $1.08 billion was sold at the Las Palmitas Mini Market. This ticket goes on record as the sixth largest jackpot in U.S. history and the third largest in Powerball history. Our reporter Chloe has been following this. Chloe, can you tell us more about this record-breaking win? Absolutely, Connie. As you mentioned, the winning Powerball ticket was sold at the Las Palmitas Mini Market in Los Angeles. The magic numbers that clinched this massive win were 7, 10, 11, 13, and 24, along with the red Powerball number 24. We should note here that the jackpot outdid the initial $1 billion estimate because of the final volume of ticket sales, which is a common occurrence when the prize gets this large. Now the winner has a couple of options for how they receive their winnings, correct? That's correct. The winner can choose between receiving the jackpot and annual payouts over a number of years, or they can opt for a one-time lump sum, which in this case would be $558.1 million before taxes. However, it's important to note that the lump sum option is subject to a 24% federal tax withholding. This is the norm for any lottery winnings above $5,000. And where will this money come from? Does this have any impact on Powerball's future operations? Powerball will draw its funds from ticket sales and two-game reserve funds. These massive jackpots serve to drive up ticket sales, so it's actually a boost for Powerball. Following this massive payout, the Powerball jackpot has now been reset to the base amount of $20 million, which is typical after someone wins the jackpot. I understand there were also other substantial winnings during this same drawing? Yes, there were other significant wins during this draw as well. Three tickets, one each sold in Florida, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island, won $2 million each. Additionally, there were several Match 5 winners across various states who won $1 million each. Wow. Well, we should remind everyone what state's Powerball reaches. Powerball is available in 45 states in the U.S., along with Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So its widespread availability certainly contributes to the sizable jackpots we see. Thanks for that comprehensive breakdown, Chloe. My pleasure, Connie. Up next, we delve into the dynamic landscape of electric vehicles or EVs. We're focusing on Tesla, a company that's no stranger to the headlines. Tesla CEO Elon Musk recently announced the likelihood of the company undertaking further price reductions on EVs to drive volume growth during these turbulent times. Ethan, our specialist correspondent for this area, is with us now to unpack this story. Ethan, what can you tell us about Tesla's approach? Well, Connie, in what might seem counterintuitive, Musk is proposing to sacrifice profit margins to boost volume growth. This comes on the back of Tesla already using this strategy, with multiple price cuts across various markets coupled with increased incentives to reduce inventory. So, Tesla may possibly lower prices further if macroeconomic conditions stay uncertain.
price-cutting strategy notwithstanding, these measures have coincided with Tesla achieving record deliveries, haven't they? Indeed, Connie. The combination of reduced prices and government tax breaks has led to record deliveries between April and July. Though it must be noted that these price reductions have eaten into Tesla's profitability, with the gross profit margin sliding to 18.2% in Q2, down from 26.2% the previous year. Another hot topic that came up during Tesla's earnings call was the potential licensing of Tesla's full self-driving software. Yes, Musk mentions that Tesla is currently in discussions with a major automaker about licensing its full self-driving software. This aligns with Tesla's goal of expansion and forming partnerships, especially considering the trend of other automakers and EV charging companies adopting Tesla's charging technology. How else is Tesla responding to these turbulent market conditions, aside from price cuts and potential partnerships? Along with price cuts, Tesla is seriously looking at better production efficiency and reducing the cost of batteries. Despite planning to deliver around 1.8 million vehicles this year, they are expecting a slight pullback in production volume in the third quarter due to planned factory upgrades. Looking at their earnings report, Tesla seems to be weathering these challenges quite admirably, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, Connie. Their Q2 2023 earnings surpassed expectations, with revenue from their core automotive business rising 46% year-on-year to a staggering $21.27 billion. Their other arm of energy generation and storage also saw a 74% year-on-year surge to $1.51 billion. There are concerns about the reduced operating margin, dropping to 9.6%. Another interesting development that caught my eye, the huge investment they are making in AI. Absolutely, Connie. Tesla announced that it will be investing over $1 billion in its AI supercomputer, Dojo, over the next year. And back to those licensing talks, can you talk a little about the implications here? Absolutely. It shows Tesla's willingness to have their self-driving technology integrated into other vehicles, which would require Tesla's self-driving computer and specific cameras. This is quite unique compared to other automakers who typically rely on other sensors like litter and keep their autonomous vehicles separate from their consumer vehicles. So what does this all boil down to for Tesla? In essence, Tesla's strategy of reducing costs, developing new products, and exploring licensing opportunities clearly demonstrates their commitment to navigating these turbulent times. Despite the impact on profitability, Tesla remains hopeful about driving volume growth and keeping its market leader position in the EV space. Thanks, Ethan. It's clear Tesla continues to be a company to watch in the ever-evolving landscape of EVs. Let's move on to our fourth and final segment of the morning, and today we're talking dollars and cents. The U.S. Federal Reserve is about to launch its much-anticipated FedNow, an instant payment service redesigned to revamp the nation's payment system. For analysis on this, we have our reporter Grace with us. Grace, what does the debut of FedNow actually mean for typical Americans? Well, Connie, FedNow aims to make transactions much smoother for Americans. Currently, if you send cash to another account, it can take a couple of days for the transfer to complete. FedNow will enable people to send and receive money instantly, no matter when they need it. It's going to be a 24-7 operation. That sounds convenient indeed. Initially, how many banks and service providers will participate? At the outset, a total of 41 banks and 15 service providers, including big names like J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of New York Mellon, and U.S. Bancorp, will be part of the launch. The good news is that it won't stop there. 
We anticipate more banks and credit unions to climb aboard the project later this year. So how would FedNow differentiate itself from existing real-time payment systems? That's a fine point, Connie. Services like Venmo and PayPal act as intermediaries in the payment process, but what FedNow brings to the table is the direct settlement of payments in central bank accounts. It's particularly beneficial for consumers and small businesses who can better manage their cash flows with instant access to funds. Also, for smaller banks, the launch of FedNow is seen as something of a game-changer, as it enables them to provide real-time payment services without having to pay larger competitors for the service. But then, could there be certain downsides to this seemingly instant service? There are indeed concerns. Some believe that the speed of transactions might facilitate a sudden drain of funds from banks, a situation commonly called a bank run. However, Fed officials contend that banks have tools in place to navigate these waters safely. Also, initially, the maximum payment limit through FedNow will be $500,000. It's unclear, though, if associated costs might end up being passed along to customers. This new public sector entry raises inevitable questions about fairness and pressure on the existing private sector. What can you tell us about this, Grace? There are questions about potential pressure on the Treasury Department and banks to favor this government-run system over private sector alternatives. Transparency about the cost incurred in the development of FedNow, who is accountable for its success or failure, as well as its business plan for the upcoming years, are all issues that are being raised. Some folks are asking for clarification on the timeline of when taxpayers' investment will be recovered. So, despite the concerns, the introduction of FedNow is generally seen as a significant step toward modernizing the U.S. payment system, right? Absolutely, Connie. FedNow positions the U.S. on par with other countries that already have instant payment services. While there are concerns around costs, transparency, and potential pressure on the use of the government service, the expected impact on consumers and small businesses is overwhelmingly positive. Thanks, Grace, for giving us such a thorough rundown of what to expect from FedNow. Makes it clear that we've got an interesting blend of opportunities and challenges coming with this new development in the financing world. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, 11 Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.